Hello, and welcome back to the Outdoor Minimalist Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Carney, an outdoor and environmental writer and author of the book, Outdoor Minimalist, Wasteless Hiking, Camping, and Backpacking. The Outdoor Minimalist Podcast has a goal to give listeners actionable ways to waste less hiking, camping, backpacking, and more during every step of their process. Your impact outdoors starts long before you hit the trail and goes beyond leave no trace ethics. You'll learn how to identify sustainable outdoor brands, how to ask hard questions regarding sustainability, and begin to shift and evolve your mindset to integrate minimalism into all of your outdoor pursuits. In episode 80 of the Outdoor Minimalist podcast, we are returning to the topic of product design. For this episode specifically, I had the pleasure of interviewing a product developer and entrepreneur in the outdoor industry that found she felt underrepresented when it came to gear. So she decided to do something to change that. Charlotte Young Bowens, founder of Conscious Gear, is passionate about celebrating body diversity in the outdoors. So much so that she made it her mission to use a design aesthetic that centered on taller, curvier, and bigger bodies to create outerwear and outdoor gear with input from the consumers she hopes to serve. A longtime outdoor enthusiast from Ann Arbor, Michigan, she currently resides in Tempe, Arizona, where she works at Arizona State University as the administrative director of an engineering research center. She loves music, art, writing, needlework, gear design, and being creative. Growing her startup has taken much of her time and generated over $50,000 in non-dilutive capital through pitching events and participation in outdoor accelerators. The company will go to market with the world's first ultralight hydration vest called the Vestapack, designed by and for bigger bodies in the summer of 2023. It's true that she's totally committed to the company, but hopes to get back into her real love of ultramarathons, triathlons, and other CrossFit events in the not-so-distant future. So welcome to the Outdoor Minimals podcast. I have been looking forward to our conversation, and I'm happy that you took the time to chat today. But before we get into the topic, I ask every one of my guests kind of a similar or the same question, which is, how did you get involved in the outdoor industry and how does outdoor recreation fit into your daily life? Let's see. When it comes to outdoors, I guess I would say... Girl Scouts as a kid is kind of my first entree into doing things in the outdoor. Although we would travel down south and spend a lot of time doing things in outdoors, but Girl Scouts was that real entree in terms of me understanding, oh, this is outdoor industry and these are outdoor activities, stuff like that. In terms of what's going on right now in my life, yeah, I mean, I'm outdoors every day. I usually either run, hike, cycle in the morning, early mornings, because in Arizona it gets hot. So in order to get that cool air, you get out early. And I'm pretty much involved being outdoors all the time. I do ultra marathons. I've done triathlons. I like CrossFit events. So depending on what's going on, I usually get involved except for during the pandemic. So yeah, I mean, it's where I find my happy place in the outdoors. So yeah, it's part of my life. That's awesome. Would you say that kind of that early exposure to outdoor rec and it being such an integral part of your life, was that a big inspiration for creating Conscious Gear? Or do you mind kind of telling how that origin story fits into your life trajectory? (laughs) (laughs) 
I suspect that that early exposure was instrumental in me, I guess, kind of coming back to the outdoors because I felt like in my 20s and 30s, I really didn't do a lot in the outdoors because I was single mom raising kids, working. And so, I, you know, I guess you kind of have that cellular memory of being an out and outdoors so that, you know, when I did decide to start doing more things in the outdoors, it felt natural, it felt good. I could recall as a kid it being a real happy place for me and it became a happy place for me as an adult. So I think it has something to do with it for the most part. (laughs) So like as you were re-entering, like enjoying outdoor recreation in those spaces in your life, is that when you came up with the idea for conscious gear or how did that come about? So what happened for me was I had a health scare, ended up in an ER and didn't know, really know how I got there. And even the doctors never really defined what had happened. But when I left, they said, look, you got high blood pressure, you got high cholesterol, you're borderline diabetic and you're morbidly obese. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that I had led a very sedentary lifestyle, was eating a lot of processed foods. And I smoked at the time, like a pack of cigarettes. Honestly, I was depressed. So it just was a bad time for me. And I, I think I didn't think I wanted to live, but I think the health scare kind of shook me and I decided I did want to live. And I just did the thing that everybody, <laughs> when you, when you think you want to get healthy, everybody goes to the gym. It was the first time I'd ever been to the gym in my whole entire life. And so, you know, on that first day, I'm so grateful to the guy that helped me on that day because we discovered I could do two minutes at two miles per hour on the treadmill. And at the time, you know, I really had no comparison point in terms of level of fitness at the time. So I just accepted it for what it was, you know, and he was like, good job, come back tomorrow and do it again. And I tell people all the time that he said something else to me that I think really changed my life. And he said, look, in time, you'll go faster and you'll go for longer. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. But what would eventually happen is within weeks, I started walking outdoors. And then I quickly kind of got into jogging, then running. And then a friend invited me out on the trails. And then from there, I was just a trail girl. I never went back to the roads really that much unless I had to. But it was like 16 months from that first day at the gym to I start when I crossed the finish line on my first 50 mile ultramarathon. So a lot happened during that 16 months in terms of being outdoors, being on the trails, but also discovering I tell people the victory is bittersweet because I couldn't find clothes or gear to fit my body. And so I think conscious gear, I complained for years. Like many years, like, you know, well, I thought sooner or later somebody would do something, you know, some of the bigger brands. And then it was during the pandemic that I was like, oh, nobody's going to do anything about this. (laughs) So I kind of felt like, okay, well, maybe it's something I could do. I think what made me different than probably a lot of people that I know is that I work in engineering. And so I was a hacker. I was living in Ann Arbor at the time. That's where I'm born and raised. And I would go to a library and check out a sewing machine. And then I would buy things from the thrift store, sales racks, and I would hack things together. And so that worked, you know, for several years. But it also was frustrating because why should I have to go through all that just to get what I need to be in the outdoors? And I knew that everybody wasn't like me. You know, everybody's not going to hack it and find a sewing machine. (laughs) And so that's why I really started the brand. To say to people that like once you make that decision to get back in outdoors, that I don't want you to be deterred or prevented from being able to do what it is you want to do mm-hmm. in your bigger body. And so I think my comfortability with being outdoors really came from, you know, my experiences as a kid. So as an adult, I easily adapted. I easily, you know, it felt familiar. I was like, yes, this is where I belong. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's awesome. It feels very kind of like natural, organic progression. And yeah. like, it seems like problem solving is just a big part of your personality anyway. So you saw this problem and you're like, I have a solution and you went for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I guess for the listeners, because we haven't discussed it, do you mind just explaining what conscious gear is exactly? Oh yeah, that's right. Conscious gear <laughs> <laughs> is my new company. You know, my tagline is all about celebrating body diversity in the outdoors. And how we do that is we create outerwear and outdoor gear designed by and for bigger bodies. And so I'm really about empowering and providing access to outdoor gear and apparel for those in bigger bodies that struggle to find things that fit. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And that was one of the reasons why I was excited when we connected, because I think there's already a lot of barriers to entry um, to outdoor sports. And so like, if there's one thing like clothing, I think maybe for different types of people, but like for me specifically, if I'm not comfortable in my clothing, I don't really want to go out and do stuff or be around other people or have new experiences that might be scary. So like, I understand the importance of this type of equipment. You bring up a good point because I remember early on when I was doing my ultra trail runs, like everybody had on this fancy name brand stuff (laughs) and it could feel a little intimidating and like you don't really fit in. But then again, I was a big girl. I was black and I was queer. I was like, I don't fit in anyway. So it didn't matter as much, but I can see for other people how that can just maybe feel a little awkward at times. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious. I mean, you talked about kind of the genesis and the importance of this type of clothing in your life, but how were you able to create and frame a brand that stood out in the industry? Because other like large name brands, they supposedly offer clothing that would fit bigger bodies. So I guess, how do you differentiate from them? Yes. Um, that's always the million dollar question. Thank you for asking because it's really an opportunity for me to share with the world my superpowers. I say as a brand, there's two areas that differentiate us. First of all, we go from XL to 8X. And what that means is that we're not really even focused on the other sizes that the other brands are doing. So while they're our competitors, they're not really our direct competitors. I think secondly is that we use a certain design aesthetic, meaning this, most people in the fashion industry, outdoor industry, use fit models that are size eight to 10, small to medium. We don't even do that. We start with 18, 20, extra large, 2X bodies, and that we center all of our design around those bigger bodies. And we make sure that our designs are responsive to the nuances of being in a bigger, taller, curvier body. Because we say that you are our first thought. You are our only thought. Whereas a lot of times the other brands are, you are an afterthought, you are a second thought, right? And a lot of times the other brands think that, oh, by adding a little extra fabric or whatever, that all of a sudden it's going to fit a bigger body. And that's just not true. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> that there has to be a new take on the design when you're shifting into extended sizes because the bodies are just different. I have different lumps and bumps and curves. <laughs> going on and that stuff doesn't you know always fit me well so yeah I think that's really our differentiators that we do offer these bigger sizes and that you know we design around the bigger body as opposed to like trying to shift from something small into something big yeah that makes a lot of sense I mean they are your target demographic so why wouldn't you model the products after them (laughs) yes You'd be surprised how many brands think they don't have to do this part. 
that they could just add extra fabric and offer bigger sizes. Why do you think that is? Do you think it is just kind of a mindset thing? They think that people with bigger bodies aren't going to be doing these activities. Yes, girl. Yes. (laughs) Really? (laughs) It's funny. Like when I pitch, investors seem to think, well, I don't see bigger bodies on the trails. I don't see bigger bodies at ultra marathon or triathlon events. First of all, you're not looking if you don't see them because (laughs) we're definitely there. I also think, so they already got a certain mindset about it, but also I just think like as the industry, if you're shown certain images, slim, white, male bodies all the time, then that's what you think is going to be in the outdoors. If you don't see fat, curvier, taller bodies, you don't know, you're not being exposed to that, which is unfortunate because then people that are taller, curvier, and bigger don't feel like they fit per se. And I just think that, honestly, I feel like we live in a very anti-fat society. We have a certain, there's a certain stigma around being in a bigger body and people, there's a lot of unconscious anti-fat. Like having this brand, I'm seeing that in, oh, so many different ways that I hadn't even expected. You know, like even I talk about my brand and like, oh, I'm doing bigger bodies and people are like, whatever, (laughs) you know, like. (laughs) It's like, they don't like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. But like, I don't know. It's just like this real unconscious, like they don't feel any need to validate or affirm that. But I'm here to tell the world that quiet as is kept, the research has is bearing this out that 70% of us are in bigger bodies that were overweight and obese. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think that evolutionary speaking, you know, we're industrialized food system and sedentary work lives that, you know, we don't work to get food anymore. We can just easily access food. And as a result, we're in bigger bodies. But also I just, I think the research is bearing this out too, that you're not inherently pathological because you're in a bigger body. That doesn't necessarily mean, being in a bigger body doesn't mean something wrong with you. And so that's the other stigma that people got to kind of get away from. But when we use words like overweight and obese and all that, it continues to perpetuate the stigma and perpetuate the discomfort for those in bigger bodies in terms of growing into accepting who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I totally agree with you with what you're saying and kind of that like unconscious opinions because we're exposed to specific things. Do you think that is just kind of like just blatant underrepresentation of the reality of the people that use the outdoor spaces or yeah, I guess I don't know how to phrase that. I think as bigger bodies, we are not as I think we're not really seen, even though we're in the spaces, right? Uh, A lot of times when I'm on the trails, (laughs) it's funny now I can laugh at it. Like people will ask me, are you lost? What? (laughs) Out loud? They ask (laughs) me? Yes. Okay. Do you know where you're going? Are you okay? Do you need help? Are you lost? Like, no, I'm, (laughs) I mean, I've been in ultra marathon events where our aid station people were like, Oh, you know, the park is closed for the race. I'm in the fucking race. What are you talking about? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's just like, like I said, like just kind of starting this brand, I've been kind of awakened to this kind of real unconscious way in which we see bigger bodies, how we, how, how we don't see bigger bodies, how we marginalize them, how we're not present and available to see like, oh, they really are here. They really are doing this. I wanted to share this one example about how it's this organization called Unlikely Hikers, people Mm -hmm. of all diversities, and how this company organization, I don't know the name of it, invited them to do some rock climbing. Fabulous. Great. However, but when they got there, the organizers 
didn't have harness to fit the bigger ones, the bigger hikers or the disabled ones. Like it just, they hadn't even consciously thought, oh, unlikely hikers, they might be bigger. They might have different abilities. You know what I mean? And so it's like, they're trying to afford an opportunity, but they're not thinking holistically about what that experience is going to be and make sure that's a positive experience for the people that they've invited to come and do the event. So it's just, this kind of like we are, and I just think as a culture, you look at TV, it's all about being skinny. It's all about diets. It's all about being thin. It's all about, you know, being some image that none of us are. 70% of us are not. So, <laughs> which I feel like if 70% of us are in bigger bodies, why is that not normal? Like last time I checked, <laughs> I'm a math major. I took some statistics class. Last time I checked, 70% usually means normal. Usually, but, um, usually. We're in denial about this normalness. And so, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's so unconscious. So, and that's why I'm, I, I, can, I can extend grace. I get it. You know, why people act the way they do, say the things they say and feel the way they do because they haven't kind of unlearned, haven't unpacked all that. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. And I think a lot of that maybe comes down to like realigning with your specific brand values and a lot of your design process is about mindfulness. And so like, how can more brands in the industry be more mindful in their design process, how they represent the majority and the normal person? Right. Hmm. And also how individuals will kind of like and whether or not we want to say it, we are influenced by media brands and what they are selling us. And so like, I feel like that mindfulness piece is really important. So how do you think other brands and companies can be more inclusive and mindful in all of those respects? Well, I think I'm going to say this before I get into my other answer. And that is I've interviewed some of these brands and basically they feel like they're making a profit. So they don't really have to come to our community and try to service us. You know what I mean? Like, And secondly, they don't believe that they can make a profit Mm -hmm. by servicing this community. However, they're wrong. And I will, I will bear this out for them. (laughs) I will show them where the money is. And so, I mean, I just think it's so easy, just kind of like make sure, I mean, outdoor brands just need to do more representation, like in their imagery, their marketing, the language that they use, that it's more inclusive, more diverse. I think they should invite bigger bodies to participate in the product development process, get their feedback. And then also too, I just think that I feel like brands will spend money and take risk in other areas and they could spend money and take risk in this area. You know what I mean? They may not win coming out the gate, but I think over time, like they've done with everything else they've done with their brand over time, you'll, you'll get it. But somehow they, maybe just don't feel like this is worth the investment, which is kind of sad. But I, you know, I do think there's some brands that are doing a better job of this, showing better images every now and then. They are inviting bigger folks to provide product feedback. So, I mean, I think those are the most important ways. And then also just, I mean, just look at what's happening in the world. I mean, people are in bigger bodies, so I don't understand why you wouldn't. I mean, when you go in a store, like I always tell people, how is it every time I go in a store, on the sales rack, it's nothing but smalls and mediums. Like, why do you think that is? <laughs> because if those were extra large and large, they wouldn't be there. You know, they would be gone. So yeah, it's always interesting. I'm like, we're just in complete denial about this. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense if you look at like who your market is and stuff like that. But if you have a lot of those unconscious opinions already existing, then it would be kind of hard to like shift your focus, especially like you were saying, they're already making a profit. So why do they need to change? 
Yeah. Would you be able to share maybe a couple of specific product examples from Conscious Gear that kind of exemplify a lot of the values that you were talking about? So I feel like Vestapak, which is the product that we're going to be going to market with this summer, is really the primary focus. I'm really wanting to do this thing called wearable hydration because I believe that hydration is super important. I really want to elevate that conversation. Again, that's one another one of those areas where 75% of us are in a state of chronic dehydration. And so hydration is really super important. I felt like as a product maker, I tell people I never wanted to own any outdoor brand. Like I didn't want to do any of that. <laughs> That was not on my radar or like vision or purpose. I feel like it's a calling. However, when I come to it, I'm bringing all of my kind of environmental sensibilities, my wanting to be sustainable. So we make sure that we have recycled fabrics. We make sure that I want to create a product that's highly durable. So I want it to last long. I don't want to be a continued contributor to the pollution of this planet. I also want to make sure that when I design what we've designed, really fits and is comfortable. I was at the run show and like over a hundred people tried on the vest. And I love when people said, wow, this just feels good. Like I can barely tell that it's on. It's so comfortable. Like I, for bigger bodies, fit is everything. Like we just never get that or it's so rare. So for me, I just be intentional about making sure that it really feels good for the user and that it's made of good quality materials and with a lot of durability so they can have it for the long haul, have it for the multi-varied events that they may use it for in the outdoors. And um, hopefully I'll figure out some way to be able to take them back in when they're done (laughs) and kind of repurpose and recycle them one day. And so the goal for me, another thing is like, we have Vestapak 1.0, but 2.0 will be what we call a modular system. So you can add and subtract to it so that you could use it for day long hikes or multi-day hikes or whatever the case may be. Maybe we'll adjust it so you can do it for cycling more so than hiking and or running. So just to really make an all purpose, one piece that's more all purpose. Again, for me, it's about sustainability. I bring a lot of like wanting to protect this planet to my brand. Like I don't want to be like the other brands <laughs> that don't care. Cause I do care. I care about the planet and I care about people. So yeah, that's some of the ways in which I'm really trying to be intentional and mindful about what it is I'm doing as a brand. Yeah. I mean, it's in the name conscious gear. So (laughs) it really makes sense that you would align not only with like serving underrepresented communities and then also with the planet. And that's really great. I am curious. I had another question while you were talking, but I. You bring up a point about the name of the company, because I remember when I was struggling trying to name the company and then Mm -hmm. the word conscious came to me. And I remember saying, yeah, this is right. Because I wanted people to understand that that I made a decision, intentional decision to serve you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not here just trying to start a new business and sell some stuff. Like, I'm really trying to have a positive impact and change. And then I liked that the word conscious gear, for a couple different reasons, I liked the word gear because it was like gear meant, you know, your giddy up what you put on. <laughs> Like in the streetwear community, like black community, gear is like what you wear. Gear is like who you are, like, you know. And then also I feel like it's a mindset, like conscious, like we live in such an unconscious world, right? We're doing so many things without being mindful or thinking. And so I really wanted to, those words felt like you get to do more than just be a brand. You get to kind of force people to start thinking about some things and being representative of what it 
really means to be present in the world. Yeah, there's a lot of layers there. A lot of layers. Yes. <laughs> I know, it was kind of deep. I was like, oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, I like it too. It's it like, it is a great representation of your values. Are there other products that you kind of have in the works or are you mainly focusing on that hydration vest? Mainly focusing on the hydration vest, but definitely working on some other outdoor, outerwear, like some cold running. Like, again, a lot of these things I'm creating are from my own pain points. So cold weather running pants, I guess. When I lived in Michigan, it would get 40 below and mm-hmm. it's cold. Again, trying to find, like I would have to use like ski stuff, which kept me warm, but it's bulky. So mm-hmm. just finding something that's more for those kind of days when you're doing more light to medium physical activity. I'm also working on a wetsuit because that was one of my pain points. Like when I first did my first try, I had to hack together a wetsuit because there was absolutely nothing for me fit my body, nothing. So yeah, really trying to make that piece sustainable as well, which is super challenging because the materials that are typically used for wetsuits are just not made for, I mean, it's just not good for the planet, that material. <laughs> so I struggle with that. But yeah, I'm, I mean, hoping to expand, maybe have a collection. Like, again, I'm, I just don't want to be a polluter of the planet. So I don't want to make a whole bunch of stuff just to be making a whole bunch of stuff. I just want to be mindful, make stuff that's not already presently out there. And then also making stuff that somehow I can recycle, it can be reused in a more sustainable way. So, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me, one of my previous guests, I'm trying to debate between two different people, so I'm not going to say the, the name because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, but <laughs> he was saying like when they are developing a new product or even deciding to be a brand, they always ask like, does this deserve to be here? And like, absolutely. what purpose does it serve? And it really sounds like that's kind of your process too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because, well, it's like people always assume I'm making leggings. <laughs> <I'm> like... Really? <laughs> I guess. I mean, like leggings are comfortable. <laughs> I'm like, there's zillions of legging makers out there. Like, what? Why would I make leggings? I'm not making something that's already out there. And people are like, well, there's a lot of hydration vest makers. Yes, but they only go up to extra large. Oh. Like, so I'm not, I'm making something that people aren't really making right now. Mm-hmm. There are a few brands that are starting to go to 1X, 2X, even though it don't really fix 1X, 2X people. But... <laughs> I always said to myself consciously, like, if you make anything, make sure it's something that's not there, Mm -hmm. something that's so absent from the market that, you know, you're creating something new and different and something that's needed versus, I guess, trying to just do what everybody else is doing. Absolutely. More of a, I don't, I mean, you do want to make a profit in the end, but it puts like kind of people above profit. People and planet align with profit. Maybe that's a better way to <laughs> phrase yeah. it. Yeah. I don't know how to say that, but I feel like <laughs> I'm just going to move on from that statement because I don't know how to come back. I don't know how to come back from that. Um, I do think like, I think there is a way to be profitable. We'll see. But also, like, I want to be the kind of company where the people that work for me, they own the company, too. Like, I'm not interested in being this, like, singular billionaire, trillionaire. Like, if I want to create generational wealth, I want to, you know, circulate the money in my communities, and I want other folks that are part of this mission to um, benefit financially as well. So, I mean, I have a bigger mission. It's not just, like, all about the money, but it is about the money, too. (laughs) 
Yeah, everyone has to make a living somehow, but it is kind of like a theme across a lot of more intentional brands that they go for that holistic sustainability and look at the community piece and Mm -hmm. all of the pieces that fit into a successful business and sustainability in general. Absolutely. I am also curious about any type like advice or resources that you might have for people listening that maybe they have bigger bodies, but they aren't sure about how to start and like get outside. Um, so, you know, my first form of advice is always like, start where you are. I started at two minutes at two miles per hour on a treadmill. So I tell people, you probably can go more than two minutes. So (laughs) start where you are. I think that more and more there are groups and organizations that are inclusive and diverse. And so be willing to do a little research in your area about those organizations and get involved. And, you know, I tell people like, I don't want to be the only game in town. So what I also encouraging bigger bodies to do is, you know, call these brands to task, like, where is my stuff, people? Because I feel like there's a lot of great brands out there that are doing a lot of great work. If they could do some of that for bigger bodies, wow, that would be amazing. Cause I want people to have, I think bigger bodies deserve good stuff too. So, um, but yeah, I think start where you are um, and look for your community. I'm somewhat of a loner. So <laughs> it's hard for me to say where to go. Cause when you do long distance running, nobody's getting up at four o'clock to run with you. So <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of alone, but there are a lot of groups out there, running groups. I know on Facebook, there's lots of like fat people running, fat men running, fat girls running, you know, so running and walking as well as hiking. Unlikely Hikers is a great group for diverse bodies and just diversity in general. And yeah, there's just so many things. You just kind of, I'm a Googler, so I just highly recommend Googling. You'll find what you need in your area. But I, you know, I just, I mean, I think I could tell you to Google, but I really do want people to feel empowered to know, like, just start where you are, you know, like if it means walking out to the mailbox and back every day for a couple of days, fine. Like, or walking down the street or walking around your backyard. Like, I just want you to know, like, as the guy told me at the gym, you will go faster and you will go for longer (laughs) one day, but start where you are. Because too many times I see people do this all the time where they're like, come on, they're like trying to run 50 miles and well, you know, like one or two miles and it's like hard on their body. And then they don't feel empowered. They're so sore. They're so a wreck. They don't get back out again. I'm like, just start slow and build. And you'll, you know, you'll be surprised at how quickly you'll get better and faster and longer. So absolutely where you are. I love that. Yeah, it takes time. And if you can find and build a community, that's even better. Mm -hmm. So how can people learn more about you and support your mission at Conscious Gear? So Conscious Gear, we have a website, conscious-gear.com. That's our website. And then we're on all the pretty much all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Pinterest, just look up conscious gear not as active on all those platforms but definitely present because i know a lot of people like stick to one platform and that's Mm -hmm. all they do so i just always want to be present on all of them so if they're looking for us they can kind of find us wherever they are and so yeah check out our website we'll talk about events stuff that's going on we're doing a crowdfunding campaign right now we're also hosting the trail running film festival in april in the arizona area so we want people to come out for that in the summer crossing our fingers that our product gets on a ship that gets all the way to 
to this country, we'll have a product that we can sell to everybody. Awesome. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, those there'll be a lot to be looking forward to for you guys. And I'll also be sure to share the links to all the ways to contact you and find you as well as the crowdfunding campaign if people want to support your mission. Absolutely. So I'm just so glad that you had the time to chat today and share your experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll just close by saying, like, I know that this channel is about minimalist. And I think the ways in which I'm just minimal is that I'm, I'm not a person who buys a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? I just want to buy one thing, good quality, last for a while. And I'll pretty much use it until it's crumbled up. <laughs> <laughs> So, so it's gone back to its natural form. No, I'm kidding. But also I use minimalist shoes because that works for me. And I try to dispel the myth that bigger bodies can do minimalist shoes as well. Running, walking, hiking, whatever the case is you may be. But I think for me, I'm all about being a minimalist is because I'm about caring about this planet, right? Just not about a whole bunch of consumption. That I'd rather have an outdoor experience than to buy something at a store and how. I want to be a witness and to testify to the fact that there is healing in nature, that I really found that being on the trails really helped decrease my depression. You know, I no longer smoke. My health is better. I'm still in a bigger body. And that came from just being in nature and being outdoors. So just want to, you know, remind people that really good things can happen for you. Absolutely. Minimalism and mindfulness, I feel like, are oh, there we go. very there much we go. aligned. I love <laughs> so thank that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you hear, let me know. Leave a review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Instagram at outdoor.minimalist.book or subscribe to our weekly newsletter at theoutdoorminimalist.com. For even more updates, educational resources, and to help build an outdoor community with a shared goal to create a better outdoor space as we recreate.